the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KEOW presents... New Focus on Wealth with certified financial planner Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome into the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, certified financial planner. you have a money question for the show? shoot me an email. It's chad at chadburton.com. That's chad at chadburton.com. Well, I think, you know, bonds are really the big story right now. But if we look at the Barclays Aggregate Bond Index, you know, as we've been talking about quite a bit, last year down about 2% or so. This year, we are looking at a bond market that's declined over 5%. And a 10-year treasury rate, That's now sitting at 2.32%. That's been a very, very quick move. Um, I mean, if we just look at it since mm, the move since early to late 2020, it's it's been a a large move in bonds. Now, 2.32 doesn't sound like too much, but the world of retirement is so much different. I'll talk about that. In a little bit, but you know, we were above four and a half percent or so on the 10 year treasury prior to the stock market top in 2007, right before it declined until March of 2009. Um, and rates were essentially dropped way down to stimulate the economy, and it's taken a long time to get back to normal. And even though we are seeing signs of inflation, there'll be some demand destruction and Inflation issues will slow a bit. We're probably not going to enjoy the 2% style inflation that we enjoyed the last you know, decade or two. It might be a little bit higher, but it will slow down a little bit. But it's still going to be a long time probably before we get back to a 4.5% treasury, which is the type of return on bonds that supported most retirees' income, where you could retire at 65 have a 60-40 stock bond portfolio, draw 4%, increase that amount by inflation each year and have enough money to live till the day you die. And bonds are much lower than that. And so style has changed. So bonds are the big story. The curve, the, the two-year treasury rate, so the two-year US bond from the government is paying almost as much as the 10-year. And when the two-year pays higher than the 10-year, that's when you have an inverted yield curve. Now, inverted yield curves don't cause a recession. So it's not always an immediate recession after that. Now, 
every recession has been preceded by a inverted yield curve, but it doesn't mean that an inverted yield curve causes a recession. So um, the underlying economy is still very, very strong. It's hard to, to see that, man, with jumping oil prices this much and the supply chain issues, how are we not going to have a recession at some point in the near future? And that's near future to me in the stock market is within three years. But, you know, we, we're supposed to have a recession typically every, you know, five to seven years anyway. So it's kind of, kind of healthy. Um, it's painful. It sucks to watch your portfolio drop during a recession, but it's also a good buying opportunity for the next decade. Um, but yeah, the bond market's seen some pain. This might be the first two-year period that we've seen in, uh, with two years of declines in the bond market. Now, why is the bond market declining? It's an, inverted, or it's an inverse relationship. When rates go up, existing bonds fall in value, right? So if you buy a bond, let's say you buy a corporate bond at 3.5% and rates have gone up, so now a person can go buy corporate bonds at 4.5%, why would they want your bond anymore? Your bond, if you were to sell it before maturity, falls in value on paper. Now, if you hold it to maturity, you're going to get your money back, but it falls in value on paper. So that's why people look at their mutual funds and their 401k that invest in bonds, and you see a decline in net asset value. And that's really not that big of a deal. If you, if you knew that everybody in the mutual fund was going to hold tight and not go to cash and ask for their money back, it's not a big deal, right? It's, it, the bonds are going to mature. They'll take that money. They'll reinvest it at higher interest rates. But unfortunately, people look in their 401ks and they look at their bonds that have gone up and up and up basically since 09 because rates had gone down. And like, oh my gosh, my bond fund is losing money. I better sell it. And that forces the manager of the bond fund, if they haven't raised enough cash in the fund, to sell more bonds at a price that they would not want to sell it for. They, their hand is forced because the retail investors uh, you know, running for the hills. Now, Interest rates are going to go up because the feds are trying to cool off inflation. It's really inflation that, you know, our own government created, to say the least, because we had COVID, you know, a government shutdown situation that, you know, probably delayed the inevitable, which is almost everybody, you know, getting COVID. Um, But at least it, you know, help not strain hospitals. Then we had a ton of stimulus. Now, if you think about what happened in 2020, if you were sitting in April of 2020 as a business owner, you're like, oh my gosh, this is going to be horrible. This is like 08, 09, all over again. I better brace for this. And then you get the PPP opportunity. So just about every business out there based on payroll took a PPP loan and most businesses didn't end up needing it. They didn't end up needing it because really who it hurt in the end is hotels, restaurants, anything travel related. That was really what got hurt for COVID. Everybody else got bored at home and started ordering things on Amazon, fixing up their houses, um, continued to work from home. So businesses that had anything to do with working from home, whether it's you know computers, cameras, internet service, whatever, it it all took off. And so you had a ton of business owners by the end of the year that had received free money 
in the form of forgiven PPP loans have extra money. And we went from a service-oriented economy to all of a sudden everybody was buying goods and services left and right. Boats. Go to a boat dealership. You'll see what I'm talking about. Go to a car dealership. You'll see what I'm talking about. They just, everything's sold and they can't get stuff fast enough. So it caused a bunch of inflation because there's a lot of money that got pumped into the system. Now, the Fed's increased interest rates because they say, okay, if people have to pay more to borrow money, they're not going to borrow as much money. So there'll be less money in the economy, less dollars chasing after all these goods. Now, will they be able to create a 1994 style stop landing? It was like 93, 94 when the bond market was negative because the Fed's were increasing interest rates. Will they be able to do that? Will it happen on our own because of demand destruction? Retail sales are already declining. The velocity of money from the PPP loans and all that free money is starting to slow down. So that demand destruction, the idea that, oh my gosh, things are becoming more expensive, so I'm going to buy less. That's starting to happen. You're seeing it in the retail sales numbers. Now, I mean, gosh, how many places now are over six bucks a gallon on gas? The good news about about kind of our demographics now, you know, if you look at vehicles, they become much more fuel efficient. So spending on gasoline and other energy sources accounts for less of consumer budgets than it did in the 1980s when this happened before. In the 1980s, um, we were anywhere from three and a half to 5% of your household budget being spent on energy prices like gasoline and things like that. And right now it's around three for most people. And about half the states out there have gas tax proposals where they're going to decrease or eliminate gas taxes to try to help people out. And we'll talk about this. This has been, this whole situation has been so tough, especially on like single mothers. I, I just going back and imagine what this was like when I was a kid. I was looking at the rally, this kind of stealth rally that's occurred in the last week. And a couple of podcasts ago, I told you that a lot of the biggest up trading days occur during a bear market and how if you try to time the market and you miss out on some of the stellar returns, the stellar individual days and even weeks, you drastically return, affect your returns over a 10-year period. You know, Timing the market just doesn't work. Just to give you an example, you know, the S&P 500 in the last week, I'm recording this podcast on March 23rd, is up almost 6%. Emerging markets you know, we've got all that news of China and everything else up 9.3%. And Alibaba, symbol BABA, which was just getting crushed, is up almost 49% in that period of time. So just right when everybody was throwing in the towel and all the news was talking about how bad it was, then boom, you get these, these rallies. At the same time, these rallies after a decline, you need to kind of sit back and, and, Take stock of what happened here. And, and are you close to retirement? If you're within 10 years from retirement, that's when your strategy needs to shift, where you have to come up with a plan that says, by the time I'm five years from retirement, I should have, have a very detailed financial plan, a very detailed cash flow projection, an idea of which accounts I'm going to pull my money from when I retire at 65, and know what your safe money amount is, which is your, what is your total expenses, including taxes, minus your income like social security and pensions and 
automatic income, how much you're going to be drawing from your portfolio every year. And you need three years worth of that number and save, safe money by the time you're five years out from retirement. So when you get a rebound like this in the middle of a correction, you should also think to yourself, all right, at one point, the S&P 500 was down over 10%. And now it's down about 6%. If you had more of a diversified portfolio, the equal weighted S&P 500 index is down only you know, 3.7% or so. So it's a good time to say, okay, I, 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 can re- I should rebalance now. Now, the bond side of this is more difficult because the bond market's getting got slammed this year. But it, it's already trading if rates are going to go up. So it might be some good buying opportunities coming up in bonds, believe it or not. But it's a good time to reassess and figure out what your asset allocation should be, where you are now, how did you react during the correction, make the change going forward. Uh, it's going to be obviously with Russia and Ukraine rising interest rates, close to inverted yield curve. It's going to be a volatile year. 2021 was not the norm. That was the most straight up kind of a year that I've really ever seen. And the only thing that was out of ordinary is the bond market being negative. Very rarely do we have two years in a row, if even ever, on, on the U.S. bond index. But this will likely be one of them. One of the things that I'm telling people to do is get their gifting done to charities right now, just because we know where the market is. It's a good time to, to get that done and out of the year. A lot of people wait till the end of the year to do their gifting. And as you've heard me say in the past, if you have a portfolio, a non-retirement account, or just in a regular account, you know, or a joint account with your spouse or a trust account, you've been investing and you have stocks, mutual funds, or ETFs that have had a large gain and you typically gift to charity, well, guess what? Those charities have a brokerage account. So if it's a nonprofit, instead of giving them cash, you can actually transfer over shares of a stock ETF or mutual fund. Now, when you do that, you still get a tax deduction, but you also get rid of the capital gain and then you can use the cash, buy the same investment back and upgrade your cost basis. So we've been having a lot of conversations about that lately. So of course, people are trying to find nonprofit organizations that will help people in Ukraine. Because also the other gifting strategy, if you're over 70 and a half, the no-brainer approach is to gift from your IRA. If you're over 70 and a half, you can give up to 100 grand a year from your IRA directly to charity and you just don't pay taxes on the money. If you take the money, you'll pay taxes on it. But if you gift it directly to charity and qualified charitable rollover or qualified charitable distribution, you can avoid the taxation on that. And then the charity doesn't pay taxes on it either. So two things to consider if you're that, you know, and if you've got some great nonprofits, let me know. But we need a US-based nonprofit that is assisting in Ukraine. That's obviously one major uh, angle that people are looking for in terms of charities. But and we, we got to talk about this whole situation and how tough COVID has been on single mothers. And now we got this huge increase in gasoline prices and daycare costs are going up. You know, growing up with a single mom in what seemed like very, very low child support amount from dad during the years, um, you know, I've been working since I was nine years old. I had a paper out. I, you know, bought my own school clothes, you know, luckily had the work ethic, but it was tough for my mom. You know, she, it was paycheck to paycheck for sure. 
And if we would have all of a sudden had an increase in gasoline prices like this, I'd either be skipping a meal or using their own money from paper route to buy food. That's, that's how I grew up. And this is really tough on single moms in a couple of different ways. One single mom that I know has a, basically a deadbeat dad that, you know, they, they married very, very young. He's in the Navy, claims that his disability, and he seems to be very able-bodied, by the way. I think this is a, I think this is a problem in the military of people taking fake disability. Um, and it's hard because there's so many people that went into the military and have PTSD and have true disabilities. And I think other people kind of capitalize on that. Anyways, apparently it's tough to get anything out of the person because the disability doesn't count towards child support. I don't know if that's true or not. We're helping her find out. But if you can imagine a single mom with kids and then all of a sudden they're trying to work, they're trying to make a living. And then there's a case of COVID at the daycare. So they shut the daycare down for five to seven days at a time. So all the PTO is gone at the beginning of the year. So anytime this happens and they have to stay home and there's nobody to help, that's, they're going without pay. A lot of, some of these companies, and I, I would name the company, but Station could probably get in trouble for it um, <clears throat> if I did because I've heard them advertise before, but they're not giving any support. They're just like, okay, well, it's, it's non-paid time off. When you're a single mom living paycheck to paycheck, you can't afford that. It's like you can't get any breaks. And then just moms in general with COVID have been responsible for still maintaining the kids a lot of times and having to work from home at the same time, which is, which is really difficult. So I'd say those are two charities that you'd want to find. And if you have any great ideas, um, you know, feel free to email them to me, chat at chadburton.com. Anything related, obviously, to helping refugees in Ukraine and then helping out single mothers that are working their, or dads that are working their you-know-what's off and just can't seem to get a break because number one, COVID and now gas prices, food prices, and energy prices. It's, it's been a rough go. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait, I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. Yeah, money question for the show? Just shoot me an email, chat at chadburton.com. That's where you can go if you need help with your financial planning. Investment management, retirement planning. I think I'll create a new name. Retirement distribution engineer. That sounds pretty good, right? Is that better than financial advisor? A lot goes into creating the proper income in retirement. You have a lot of different types of accounts. You can keep your taxes extremely low and concentrate on IRA to Roth conversions the first several years of retirement. Because one of the things that you can do to make your money last longer with bond rates this low it costs way more to retire now than it did when I got into the business 28 years ago because bond rates are extremely low. CD rates are extremely low. Instead of getting 2 or 3% on your savings, you get 0.5 at the most with like a Capital One 360 or a Marcus online bank. So you, you, get, you have to be smarter. And so saving taxes throughout the 30 plus years you're going to be retired is very important. Speaking of retirement, like I said, millions of Americans retired sooner than they anticipated because of COVID-19. But there's a big article out today. Um, first I saw it was on Bloomberg that applications for Social Security benefits are roughly flat. 
is that because these boomers are going to return to work and they just didn't want to deal with the whole Zoom world? Or does it mean they just are putting off Social Security to age 70? You can start taking Social Security at age 62. Rarely is that a good idea unless you're single and in poor health and you really need the money. If you're going to live until you're you know, 80 or beyond, typically you want to wait till full retirement age, which is 67 now for most people. It's like a 32% difference in payments. Then if you wait from your full retirement age to age 70 to take Social Security, there's no sense in waiting beyond 70 because it doesn't grow anymore. But at age 70, that's when you get the max benefits. And it's like an 8% rate of return on your money. If you were to take whatever lump sum that Social Security would need to create your income at retirement at age 67, you wait till 70, it's like an 8% rate of return on that lump sum of money to pay you for the rest of your life as long as you live, you or your spouse lives into their mid 80s or beyond. And even if you're not healthy, if you have a higher social security benefit than your spouse, you should still wait or consider waiting until 70 because when you pass away, your, the, the smaller check, if you have a married couple, the smaller check goes away and the survivor keeps the larger check. That's probably what's happening here. People are realizing that, okay, bonds right now, I mean, with the two-year treasury still under 3%, are under pressure because rates are going up and bond funds are falling in value. I think we're going to get to the point here, though, pretty quickly. This decline that some of these bonds are going to become attractive buying opportunities. Um, So I'm going to put off social security because that's a sure way to fight inflation. Also, if you put off social security from age 67 to age 70, you have a bigger check and your checks tend to go up with inflation in retirement. And so that also kind of gives you another win against inflation. Gives you another win against inflation. So it's, you know, you can invest in, TIPS or Treasury Inflation Protected Bonds. Um, If you look at TIPS for the year, year to date though, they're down almost 3%. And that's because expectations for inflation were really high going into 2022. So a lot of those TIPS bonds had rallied quite a bit. And they kind of went into the year being a bit overvalued. So they've still been better than normal bond because most bond funds are down around you know four or five percent for the year if they're more aggressive high yield bond funds or emerging market bonds it's down even more so with bond rates still being historically low even after this run-up in in prices people are looking for alternatives and guess what insurance companies are figuring that out pretty quickly so First of all, I want to preface this with the bad because the SEC just won a case against an ex-LPL representative, so a so-called financial advisor that worked for LPL, who sold $40 million in variable annuities to federal employees. Apparently, this this rep (coughs) posed as a federal counselor to lure government employees into rollovers where people were rolling their federal plans. Usually it's called a TSP plan, or, uh, which is a 401k for government employees and postal workers and things like that. When you retire, it's just like a 401k. You can roll it into an IRA. 
Well, a lot of people that call themselves financial advisors, they're really disguised insurance salesmen, will say, hey, roll this 401k into this variable annuity. And this variable annuity will guarantee that you can take 5% for the rest of your life, no matter how long you live. And so, you know, if your account goes to zero at age 80 because the market performance is bad, then they'll still pay you for the, as long as you live. Well, these commission-based products that are sold people to buy people like this have internal fees sometimes north of 3.5% a year. Because when you put, a, if somebody rolls their million dollar 401k into it, this person's making a forty to $70,000 commission. And the insurance company has to get that back over time. So they charge really, really high fees. And that's what drove me into this world that I'm in now, which is fee-only financial planning advice, where we are a group of certified financial planner practitioners. We don't do anything commission-based. We hold ourselves out as fiduciaries, meaning the advice that we deliver has to be in the best interest of the client. But I got to tell you guys, annuities have changed drastically, especially in the last two years. It's been a big sweeping change. There are, you used to hear Rob Black and I doing radio since 1999 telling you annuities are garbage. Annuities are garbage. Well, then the 10-year treasury rate after 2007 dropped well below 4%, which means, like I said, interest rates on cash and bonds and everything else has dropped drastically which caused retirement to be more expensive. So you got to look for bond alternatives. And then you started hearing me say, well, about 98% of annuities are bad. Well, there are a whole slew of no-load and commission-free annuities that insurance companies are creating for advisors like us. And they're creating this area between stocks and bonds. Over a 15, 20-year period, they're not going to do as well as stocks in most cases. But maybe over a five to 10 year period, they'll likely do better than bonds. Now, if you have a, if you're going into retirement and you have a bond side of the portfolio, maybe you're going in your sixties and you're 60% stocks, 40% bonds. You've got to check the SEC yield on your bond funds. Because if you have a properly allocated bond fund, you have a majority of your bond money in what you call core bonds, you know, high quality corporate bonds, um, some you know, government bonds, some you know, high quality California tax free if you're in California in a taxable account. And then you've got your strategic bond allocation where funds can kind of go anywhere. They can go pick up treasury inflation protect. They can go to distressed debt. They can go into high yield. Across the board, that type of a bond yield when I got into the business 28 plus years ago would kick off about five and a half to 6% income. We're talking about less, slightly less than three now when you're all in between your short duration bond funds, your floating rate, your core, your more aggressive, go anywhere, unconstrained bond funds. I mean, you can look at this by just pulling up BND, which is Vanguard's total bond market ETF. And you'll see the dividend yield is 2.04%. Now, if you go back to, the, to a total bond market index prior to 2007, that was above 4, 4.5%. You see what I'm saying? So you're getting less income out of your bond portfolio. So people are starting to look for bond alternatives out there. Um, I mean, you look at, just look, you can pull up a tar- chart of the 10-year treasury. 
it was about 4.65% in October of 2007 prior to the Great Recession, where the economy dipped. We had a, a financial crisis. The system nearly imploded because of leverage. And so the Federal Reserve dropped interest rates. Rates went to zero, essentially. And it's been a very slow crawl back up. Now, rates will rise with inflation. But U.S. debt will make it difficult for rates to go too high. The government can't afford it, right? We already have issued so much debt. And I don't feel like this is a problem for me and my kids, but my grandkids are, you know, if we don't get a change in, in politics and have fiscal responsibility in this country, we're, we're about a generation or two away from financial disaster. So rates will rise with inflation, but U.S. debt amount that is so large, it's going to make it difficult for rates to go too high. Now, you've, you've got a couple of things going on. There's, a, there's that red zone that you hear about from retirement, which is 10 years from retirement through about age, 60, or through about age 75, where everybody knows about longevity risk. Do you have enough money to last until you're 100, Right. But then there's also the sequence of return risks that matter the most leading into retirement and in the first 10 years of retirement, where market performance is key. Timing the market doesn't matter when you're building wealth at all. You just keep plugging money in. And if the market drops by 10% or more, you really try to find more money to plug into the market. But when you're pulling money out of the market, timing is everything. You have to make sure that as you go into retirement, you have the proper asset allocation so that when the market does go through a a dip or a recession and it takes a year or two to recover, you are not selling stocks or bonds after they've declined. That is a mathematical nightmare. The stock market always recovers. It always does. In fact, most of the time when you see a 10% correction, most of the time the market's up 17% 12 months later. But if the market corrects 10% and then you got to sell some shares to pay your expenses, you have less shares that are going to be in there to recover. And that's a problem. Talking a little bit about this, so I just finished up a, a big study and refresher on the world of annuities, which I know extremely well because it pushed me into the business. I got into the business over 28 years ago with my grandfather. He was selling annuities and mutual funds at the bank. They were great products back then because capital gains taxes were up at 27% and people were trying to defer taxes and then all of a sudden capital gains changed and they weren't attractive anymore. And I was looking at no load funds and was majoring in engineering and math. I was a spreadsheet guy and quickly realized that I do not like selling products. These products, most of them are awful. And I transitioned to the world of fee-only financial planning where we deliver advice for a fee um, and you know, hold ourselves out as fiduciaries. As a fiduciary though, I got to keep an eye on these products. And the world of annuities is changing drastically. And there's been some no load variable annuities with lifetime guaranteed income for a while and a couple of fixed index products out there. But now there's a, a ton of them. It was very surprising to me. So I just finished up this study on Monday because people are looking for bond alternatives, right? You got interest rates up, you got yields extremely low, pressure down on bond funds. Many bond funds are down anywhere from one to you know, 9% on like emerging market bonds. And so people are wondering, how am I going to make my money last 35 plus years in retirement? And going into retirement is pretty scary right now with a Russian conflict going on, 
with increase in rising in rates, oil prices. So annuities in some cases can make sense. If you're dealing with no load annuities or no commission annuities, and you're getting the advice delivered from a fee-only certified financial planner that does not make a commission, right? That's, that's number one. Most annuities are garbage that you hear about from banks or big brokerage firms. They're just garbage. The fees are so high, it's smoke and mirrors when it comes to any benefits that they're offering you. But as I mentioned before, you look at a normal bond portfolio these days that has a mix of you know, conservative bond funds and more unconstrained bond funds floating rate funds, short-term duration funds, and you create this bond portfolio and the yield is sub 3% right now. And you're a conservative investor. You're like, I can't afford to retire when I, my bonds, my, you know, 40 or to 60% of my portfolio is only yielding that amount of money. So there are variable annuities, no load variable annuities, where there's no commission involved. You can leave anytime you want, where you can take your bond money, you can invest it in a no load variable annuity, and it'll be half in, in stocks and half in bonds, which is more risk, right? There's more principal risk involved in that. But the insurance company will guarantee that your money will last, if you draw 4.5% typically as a married couple, will last as long as you live. So even if your account runs out of money at age 86 because of poor market performance, the insurance company will still continue to pay you that amount for the, for the rest of your life as long as you live. Now, typically, it, the, the internal cost on these no-load products is about 1.6% more per year than a normal balanced portfolio. So the fees are there. The fees don't... Uh, they do not reduce the amount of lifetime income you have. It reduces the amount of money that you leave to your heirs when you die. That's, that's how it affects your family. But some people are like, that's fine. I just need to make sure that I cover my longevity risk, which is living longer than the mid-80s life expectancy. So if you're, these can come into play if you're like, you know, five years from retirement or up to about age 75 and you're worried about longevity, you're trying to figure out what to do with, you know, your bonds or cash that you don't want to put into stocks because you're scared and you already own enough stocks. It's a way to take a little bit more risk with your cash or your bonds, but not take risk with your lifetime income, if that makes sense. Uh, so the, the, those things are out there. They do exist. They're no load. You want to make sure you're getting advice though in a, in a total comprehensive manner, your entire financial plan to see where they make sense for you. Uh, the only time you want to do it is with IRA money. Because whatever comes out of an annuity in, in the normal world is taxes, ordinary income, same with an IRA. So you only want to do it with IRA money. The other place where that they can make sense are some of these three to six year fixed indexed annuities that are out there that are now non-commissioned products where, as you hear me talk about on radio all the time, when you're within five years from retirement, you need to have at least three years worth of portfolio draws in cash. But if you don't need it for five years, about the best you can do is a stable value fund in your 401k, a little over 2% return. Some of these no load, no commission fixed index annuities will give you participation in, in the S&P 500 price movements, no dividends at all, but just the price movement where you get 100% up to like 5.5%. If the market drops, you just get zero that year. Or there's three-year ones where you get 100% of the price movement and 
they're, they're, they guarantee that you'll have no more than a decline of 10% if the market drops. So it's kind of a space now between stocks and bonds. So you go to a lot of financial planners and they'll just, they have this CFPs that are fiduciaries just have this overall, all annuities are bad. That's not a fiduciary way of, to think. The market is changing very rapidly where the insurance companies are realizing people don't want commission-based advisors. But there are certain circumstances where it may work for you in your retirement plan. And so we have to open our eyes and realize what's new out there on the market in terms of no load and commission-free annuities as a bond alternative for those that are between the ages of like 60 and 75. Earlier than that, you're too young. Older than 65, you're too old. I'm, I mean, sorry, older than 75, you're too old. So they are, they are exist out there. Um, so be aware of that. Retirement planning is much more difficult now than it was over 28 years ago when I got the business because it takes more money to retire because of low interest rates. And we have a lot of conflicts and high oil prices right now. It's scary, but you can still do it if you do it the right way. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find me in the podcast and all the links at chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Have a great day. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.